Dear brethren, it's a, a joy to be here with you. And I have a question for all of you. What does the near future has in store for us? Probably in the very near future. We don't fully know exactly when, but we're approaching that time. One of the keys I use sometimes to know how we close our we, how close we are to the end, is the vision of the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. How God showed us a perspective of history from the time of this powerful king in the empire of Babylon until our days and then the establishment of the kingdom of God. We know that Babylon, the head of gold, is gone. We know that the Medo Persian Empire, the chest and arms of silver, is gone. We know that the Greco Macedonian Empire, with the belly and the thighs of brass, is gone. And then comes the long legs of iron of the Roman Empire, the only one has been restored of all those empires, and it has been restored six times. I hope you have this in mind and have studied the Bible course, the amazing understanding of prophecy that God gave to us through Mr. Herbert Armstrong. Things that have never been understood, even during the Second War, he understood that there were still, he understood the restorations of the Roman Empire that have never been fully explained, and he knew there was one yet to come. And before the war finished, he predicted Germany will come back to the scene. And here we have Germany handling Europe in an amazing way without shooting one single bullet. They obtained what they couldn't obtain in two world wars. But we know that empire has been restored seven times. There is only one restoration to go. And we know almost is, I just came back from Europe, things are almost ready to go. And I remember there are people that say, where are the ten nations that Mr. Armstrong taught about represented by those ten toes. You know, they forget one thing, that the feet are also a mixture of iron and clay, not only the toes, the feet. And now we have 27 nations in Europe that are part of the European Union. We know in the end there will be only ten leaders. Brethren, we are at the level of the feet now. All the rest of the statue is gone. And when you go to Europe and you read the news, you know the iron is Germany holding fast this structure by its economic power. And you know that Portugal is the clay, and Spain is the clay, and Italy is the clay, and even France. And then the Eastern powers, Hungary and Poland and Czechoslovakia, they are all sustained by the iron. We are at the level of the feet. The only thing that needs to happen is those ten toes to come out. So nothing contradicts the understanding we were given. On the opposite, it confirms. You read that prophecy, you see the feet are iron and clay. That's where we are right now, on the brink of seeing the ten toes come out. And they will last. And amazingly enough, how God's wisdom is, 
That's the shortest part of the whole body. Compare the, the length of a toe with the length of the six restoration of Rome that are the, the leg. It's the shortest part that will last probably a little bit more than three and a half years. And it's right there for us, and it can come out at any time. That is what they call the Berlin Club in Europe. They have decreed that they need to reach an urgent agreement, and the 27th are not in agreement. One-third can decide for everybody, and they have to follow it. That's called the Berlin Club. And guess how many are the members of the Berlin Club? Ten members. And they can impose their will on the rest whenever they decide the matter is urgent enough for them to impose their will. Brethren, we are on the brink of seeing this thing happen, and almost everything is ready for the beast to come up. So I, I ask you the question again, what does the near future has in store for us personally? What we have in the near future, brethren, is two persecutions against the church of God. It's going to affect every one of us. It's predicted by God with tremendous detail how long it will be and what's going to unleash that persecution. We have heard sermons about watching and being alert. And Dr. Mary has often touched on this subject, the persecution. So God allows us to be aware of our near future so that he, in his mercy, what we heard in the sermonette, is telling us, don't let this world swallow you up with this multitude of distractions which had never existed in human history. And a lot of them are inspired by the devil, as we're going to see. What are the conditions to escape the Great Tribulation and go through the first persecution? There are two of them. Let's go into chapter 12 of Revelation. You're going to see them, brethren. Chapter 12. They are clearly marked here for us. Chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. And verse 7. It says... And war broke out in heaven. This has happened before, before Adam's creation. You can see that war mentioned in Isaiah 14 about how Lucifer was cast down to the earth. Christ said in chapter 10 of the book of Luke, in verse 17, he says, then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Brethren, the very day the Pope Benedict XVI, by the name Ratzinger, resigned, that was an amazing thing. A lightning was seen fall upon the very top of the cathedral in the St. Peter Square. It's not St. St. Peter, but it's called that way, you know. I, I, I hesitate to say it's St. Peter. We could call it probably 
by other name, Jupiter's, Jupiter's Square or something like that. Anyway, my dear brethren, it was amazing. Most people in the world, many people in the world saw that lightning coming right on top of the basilica. It was very amazing. I said, maybe God is telling us this is going to happen soon, my friends. Watch out. Because he resigned. It was a very unusual thing to happen for a pope to resign. Well, now let's go back then to chapter 12 of the book of Revelation and see, to start with, that it is clear in our minds there are two persecutions coming up soon upon the church of God. And they have to do with the very end time, maybe right before the ten toes come up or probably at the same time. We don't know exactly, but it's very close. And we're very close to it. Like we are at the fifth level now, we only the toes need to come out. At the same time, God gives us a warning. We know what's coming up for the world. We need to know what's coming up for us. And it's clearly explained, so nobody has an excuse not to be ready. In chapter 12, again, of the book of Revelation, in verse 7, it says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. This is going to be an amazing thing, brethren. We cannot see that yet because we are still in the, in the flesh. This will happen in the dimension of the spirit beings, which is outside our reach, at least for those that God will not give a special vision. But we will know when this battle has happened. I tell you why, and it's very easy to know. And war broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. He probably is going to go as the time of the end approaches. I'm reading between lines here, brethren, speculation, but just to have a picture, we'll know what his mindset is, to take the throne of God. He probably, at the time Christ is about to return, in the last days of human history, from Adam until our days, are coming to an end, he will try once more to be God and to overcome, to have a coup d'etat against the throne of God. It's probably why he is trying to keep Christ from returning, so he can keep his throne upon the earth, because he has a throne, God says so. There is a throne of Satan down here, and I think you might suspect where it is. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. You see, it's at the very end, right before Christ comes down, he launches this attack. Well, he is frustrating his intent, then he comes down. He's going to try to eliminate us, those that are going to replace him on the thrones that will rule the world. That's what he's trying to do, and God is going to allow it, and that will be the last filter God used to know who is worthy to escape the great tribulation that comes after that first persecution. We'll be tested. I've been through several tests, my friend, and only those that endure until the end uh, will make it. 
And I pray, God, I'm not too sure of myself, but I do pray, and I'm sure of his mercy. Like it was explained to us in the sermonette, that if we humble ourselves before him, he will help us and give us the strength to endure on till the end. Then I heard a loud voice, okay, he said, the kingdom has come, the time has come. Now let's look at verse 12, 12-12, Revelation. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. You know, we might know how much time he has. I would say it to you as a speculation, but he says immediately after in verse 13. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. That's how we will know when the battle has happened. Because the first thing that will happen down here is he comes down with great wrath and the first objective for him is to persecute the woman. Now we say what woman? I dare to say the woman that is obeying the commandment of Jesus Christ to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God to the whole earth. As a commandment we have, clearly stated in Matthew 28, clearly stated in Mark 16, clearly stated in Luke 24, and in Acts chapter 1, it's all over the place, and in the living church of God is called the first commission. So he will come down to those that are in the fire line of the world today. It happened to be us, brethren, and the statistics prove that it's nobody else doing what the living church of God is doing in the measure we are doing it. We don't deny some others of our brethren might doing some work, but that's the first commission for this church and uh, he will come certainly upon us, and we're going to see one of the conditions to escape is to be involved in the work of God. We'll see it in a moment. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman. Mr. Armstrong, in 1979, when the government of California invaded the campus in Pasadena, and he saw the state coming after the church, he thought that battle in heaven had already happened. He, he mentioned that possibility, but as the turn of events happened and the persecution did not continue and the church thrived and flourished, and after that we reached over 8 million copies of the Plain Truth magazine in seven languages. So even it was all the opposite. The church continued to thrive after that, so Mr. Armstrong knew that had not happened yet. But we will know. When the persecution comes now, you can ask, brethren, we can ask, how in the world is the devil going to persecute us? Remember, he is restrained. He is a murderer from the beginning. But he needs human instruments to perform his purposes, his wicked purposes of killing people, and killing especially those that are going to replace him, first of all. He wants to exterminate all humanity because he's jealous of us, but first thing he's going to do is to come after those that are going to replace him where he could not take the throne of God. So he's coming down here with great wrath and he persecutes the woman. So this is the first persecution. And let's look how, if we jump to verse 10, and we know that 
the serpent in, you know, in verse 15, so the serpent spewed water out of her, his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. We know this is an army, a flood in the Bible. We're not going to every explanation here. You can look for it. In other translations, it says a river. And God called the armies of Assyria and the armies of Babylon because they had the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers. He said to Jerusalem through the apostle, through Isaiah, that those rivers, those armies will come upon Jerusalem, and they did come. First in the day of Hezekiah, and God delivered them, but later on in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, and they were not delivered from those waters. So here we have an, air, an army will come after us, and the dragon was enraged. So the, the church is protected like Israel coming out of Egypt. Pharaoh launched his armies, and the sea opened up and swallowed them. And you know, even in the song of Moses in chapter 15 of Exodus, knowing that it was the sea, it's interesting that it mentions the earth. Let's look at chapter 15 for a moment, and you see the parallels are amazing. We are the Israel of God, and the devil will come after us like Pharaoh came with his armies, like a river, uh, against the children of Israel as they were exiting, coming out of Egypt. And let me see if I find that scripture here. And chapter 15 is very interesting. The song of Moses, which we are going to sing before the throne of God during the marriage of the Lamb. We're going to sing the song of Moses because some of these things will happen again and we will be delivered and the fulfillment of the spiritual aspect of what was physically represented here will come to pass. So in chapter 15 of the book of Exodus, it says in verse 10, it says, You blew with your wind, the sea covered them, they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. Exactly what's going to happen. Of course, it was the sea. But the sea is on the earth. And God used that sea to swallow the armies of Pharaoh. It is exactly a miracle God is going to do when the church that God is going to protect, but is going to be persecuted before the church reaches the place of safety. The church will be persecuted. We go to that in a moment. So... What happens after the church is protected and enters the place of safety, which will be times and time and half a time. Three and a half years will last the protection. Let's keep all these things in mind because it's written here. Uh, but what I want first to put in your spirit is that first comes a persecution and then the church flees but is under persecution and supernaturally is protected. The earth swallows the army that comes after her, exactly like coming out of Egypt. And then the devil turns around and looks for the rest. So there are two persecutions coming up. And they are not too distant one from the other. Actually, we might have the exact number of days, which I will mention to you, based on what Mr. Ames have taught and 
And uh, Mr. Armstrong explained to us about these days that are mentioned in Daniel chapter 12. So, you see, the earth, verse 16, helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth, exactly like he did in Egypt. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So there are two persecutions coming up. One first, then comes the other one. That's in the near future for us, brethren. We don't know will be escape that first one and going to a place of safety. That will be up to God to decide if we fulfill the conditions. And that's what we're going to study today as we have this panoramic view. So let me see if here it is says, it says, how long will the protection last on that place of safety? Let me see. I think chapter 12, verse 14. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place. Okay. What does that mean? We let the Bible interpret itself. So God gives us an indication what that means, the, the two wings of the great eagle. Again, we have Israel coming out of Egypt. And we have now at the very end the Israel of God coming out of the world and being protected supernaturally by God. What did God do with the Israelites in Egypt when they came out of Egypt? Let's look at Exodus chapter 19 and verse 4. Exodus 19 and verse 4, we have something that will help us understand what those, what those, those wings mean of the eagle. 19 verse 4, God says to Moses, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Oh, they were not flying, they went on foot, brethren. So that might give us an idea because Christ said, pray that your flight will not take place on the Sabbath nor in the winter time. That's in Matthew 24. So, according to the Bible, it means a special protection as we flee. Not exactly we'll be flying there. Now, I'm not going to be dogmatic. That's not going to happen. It might happen to some people that cannot walk or I don't know. God will know how to take care of his own very much. So let's continue in chapter 12 of Revelation and see what comes up here. Verse 14, Revelation 12:14. But the woman was given two wings of the great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness. So remember that we're not going to appear suddenly in the place of safety. The Bible says... When the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman. That's a persecution. And we, I'm going to speculate a little bit. You will forgive me. But we might know exactly how many days that's going to last. i tell you that in a moment. And so he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. So we will go under persecution even if we are supernaturally protected and guided towards a place of safety. But there will be a persecution. I think God will use that to test us. 
like has happened with the disruption we have known in the church, the apostasy of the 90s, and then in global, the disruption of the 98, and now it's coming another one. It's probably this one, the next one. I don't know, but it could be. And it says, again, she was given the... Uh, the two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness. Some people believe and is being preached in other of our brethren groups that are in other places which are still our brethren that God will protect us wherever we are. You know, oh no, this thing of the place of safety, that's it's a myth. God is telling her that he's telling us here very clearly the woman was given the two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place. Israel and ancient Israel came out of Egypt. And the wings of the eagle were there as a protection. And she came to Mount Sinai. That's where God told Moses, I brought you to me. So it was a whole trip that they have to make on foot to arrive into the wilderness to specific place. People that think we'll be protected wherever we are, they are contradicting God's word and they are running the high risk of staying behind and being the ones that the devil is going to persecute when he cannot go after those that are going to be protected. So, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. Three and a half years of protection and nourishment, not only physical but spiritual, as we see in a moment, from the presence of the serpent. So that's the end of the first persecution. Here comes the second one. So the serpent, and then three and a half years start of protection. All right there. So let's keep this clear in our heads. Now comes the second persecution. So the serpent spewed water, excuse me, I already read that. I don't need to read it again. Verse 17. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. Our brethren, you know, in other groups of the church of God. Who keep the commandments. And let's not take for granted that we all who are here are going to be protected. Only if we fulfill the conditions. And we'll study them who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the devil will turn around. How long will this persecution last? We have here a clear indication, a clear, not indication, a clear statement that the protection lasts times and time and half a time. The church is nourished in the desert for three and a half years as she escaped from the dragon's reach. So the dragon turns around. And go after the rest. How long does that last? It's not here. But it's in Daniel chapter 7. Let's look at it. Where this, he mentioned the prophecy of what's going to happen in the end time to the church of God. To the saints. Who are the saints? Those that keep the commandments of God. And have the testimony of Jesus Christ. When you read in the faith of Jesus. That's defined in Revelation 14 verse 12. That's the definition of a saint. Those that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus Christ. So in Daniel 7, we're going to see how long the persecution lasts. 
So we have these things clear in our heads. Chapter 7, here he's describing in verse 25 the little horn, you know, that will persecute the church. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High. What did we read in Revelation 12? He goes after the rest of the offspring, those that keep the commandments. What does the Bible say? Those that keep the commandments, Revelation 14, verse 12, are the saints. So we're going strictly by the word of God. And he says, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, because they keep the commandments of God. How they will know we are the saints? We are not going to worship the image. We are spiritual Jews. And that is going to be a test if we are left behind. And we are going to keep the Sabbath. And as the mark of the beast is Sunday, people will be forced to work on the Sabbath, break the Sabbath, and keep Sunday. Very easy for the devil to find out and for his instruments who are the saints that he wants to eliminate. Like... With Nebuchadnezzar, there were three Jews that said, we won't worship that image because we are spiritual Jews. Who's a spiritual Jew? The one who has the laws of God written in his heart and in his mind. They cannot be deceived. They will know. And then what will happen? They will be persecuted because we're spiritual Jews. Like the three friends of Daniel were spiritual Jews. They were the only ones. And all the peoples and nations and tongues fell on the ground and worshipped the image. They have their own idols. What's the problem to worship one more statue? No problem. You know, the, you know the world, the Catholic world, there wouldn't be no problem to worship one more image. They already worship it. And that statue is of Jupiter, by the way, the ones that is there in the Basilica of St. Peter. Maybe you, may, probably many of you have gone by. It has, it's on, in bronze. It's made of brass. And the toes are completely almost disappear because everybody has a tradition. There's a tradition that you have to touch the toes of that image. So anyway, we're going to see things happen. I, I cannot tell all the details, but speculate a little bit, but based on strong ground as we are seeing here. So how long that persecution lasts? Here it says, he shall, uh, in, he shall persecute the saints of the Most High, he shall intend to change times and law. That means you have to break the Sabbath because the day of rest is Sunday. Times and festivals and law. You will worship an image. So there is the changes. And you go there are churches full of images. Sure enough, the Sabbath and the obligation to worship, to worship an image and to keep Sunday instead of the Sabbath. That's the mark of the beast. I cannot go into all those details. I suppose, brethren, you have studied those things. We need to know them. The church has greatly helped us with the publications, the Bible course, the beast booklet. We have all that information. We better be on top of these things. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. That means the persecution will last exactly the same length of time that the protection. And that will, God will be preparing his people. 
If we are not counting worthy to escape, he will give us the last chance to go through a great tribulation. And if he finds people worthy to escape, we'll go to a place of safety and we'll be prepared there. For the, we'll be preparing day by day for the return of Jesus Christ. Now let's look at, a little bit at Daniel chapter 12 and look at this number of days that are presented here to us. Daniel chapter 12, and uh, he presents here those three figures, three and a half years, and uh, in chapter 12 and verse 7, he says, And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that this shall be for time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, that means when those three and a half years of persecution we just saw in Daniel, they will be delivered into the hands of the beast for times and times of half the time. Here we find the confirmation. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. So that will be the end and the return of Jesus Christ. So we're starting to understand this more and more. He says here, though I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. And through Mr. Herbert Armstrong and the work of the Church of God, Worldwide Church of God, in the time of the end, we started to understand things that have never been understood. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined. Here is those that will be into those three and a half years non-protection, like we just saw. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away, that means it will start sometime, maybe soon. We don't know, but it's going to happen. From the time the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. To what? To the return of Christ. We'll see. We'll see it confirmed here in the text. Let's continue. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. Now, here comes on mathematics. If we know that the protection is going to hap- happen during three and a half days, three and a half years, that's 1,260 days of protection beyond the reach of the serpent. If we know that's going to happen at the moment the, the, the church enters the place of safety, it starts counting three and a half years. That means that the persecution that comes upon the ones that are going to be persec- protected will come before the beginning of those 1,216 days. Do you understand? If we are protected for this length of time, times time and half a time, and it's at the end of a persecution that started before, so... What does that tell us? Very possible that the beginning of the persecution, and that's what the church has taught, is the 1,335 days. 
because he says here, uh, Daniel, in chapter 12, blessed, in verse 12, is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. What does that give us? That that persecution, the first that is going to come up upon those that are on the front line, preaching the replacement of Satan by the throne of Christ and those that will rule with him, the kingdom of God, from the time that persecution starts, the church has taught that the 1,335 days is the beginning of a persecution. That means it will be 75 days of persecution from the beginning of that first persecution until the entrance in the place of safety. And the devil will turn around then and then begin the last three and a half years of persecution for those that are not in the place of safety. I hope I'm making these things clear to you because they are right here for us. Blessed is he who waits and comes to 1,335 days. Why? Because he will pass the filter of the last filter that God will use to know who is worthy to escape. If we are here to save our lives or we are bold and ready to face whatever comes and if God decides to protect us, let it be. If not, we have to be ready for anything. He who wants to save his life, he will lose it. He will lose it for the gospel and for Jesus Christ will save it. And we will be put to the test like never before in the recent history of the Church of God. The persecution have not been of this type. It will come. And probably is the next test coming to us. I don't know. Maybe others will come. But as a church, it could be. Then he says, But you go your way till the end. That means he's going to sleep until the end. What's the end? The end of those three and a half years. The last three and a half years. And he says, For you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. That has, probably has two meanings. The end of the days God have, the, has decreed to be the time for his return, but it's also the end of the 1,290 days from the time of the stopping of the sacrifices and the abomination of desolation, then until the return of Christ is 1,290 days. And then from the time the the devil goes into persecution for those that are not protected. It's 1,260 days. So, is blessed is the one who waits and comes to 1,335 days. I mean, he he's here when the first persecution starts. He goes through that filter, and he enters the place of safety, and he will complete that figure at the sound of the seventh trumpet when Christ will return. I hope I made this more or less clear for you, but it's important to have this panoramic view. There are many other details that we have to think about. Well, I usually run out of time, and uh, I, I go to go now. We could say much, many more things about this, about the sacrifices and all that, but I, I won't go into that. We're going to see what conditions does God state for us as necessary conditions to pass that final test, to be ready for it because we will have to pass it. Nobody is going to be taken like this and put there. God is going to test us. You remember it says the crucible for the gold and the oven for the silver or something like that, but God will test the heart. He needs to know 
We need to know what's in our hearts, and we have seen through different crises we have gone through that it comes up to the top, what, people, what is in people's hearts, my friends. And this is coming, and God predicts it's coming and is giving us specific figures. So we know it is coming, and we be ready. So the first one I want to mention, they might not be in perfect order, but when he finished describing the end-time events, which covered these last 1,335 days, if we can make those parallels, in Luke 21, at the very end of that Sermon of the Mount of Olives, Christ gives us this warning. So this you can put at the first condition to escape the great tribulation and be counted worthy to enter the place of safety. That's what the main thing we should keep in mind today. And you know this scripture very well. In chapter 21 of Luke, after describing all these terrible events of the end, Christ says in verse 34, Luke 21, 34, you can put there first condition to be counted worthy to escape. So we should keep this in mind. It says, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. Those are the distractions of this life. And brother, we are flooded with that thing. We are flooded with distractions. I'm amazed when I fly, make those flights, people sit in front of those screens, which is one individual one for every passenger, and they have from A to Z to choose entertainment. And the main things they use to entertain themselves, as I walk through the aisles, I don't stop to watch those movies, brethren. I want to fulfill the conditions to go to a place of safety. We'll see now it has to do a lot with entertainment. And with the music, we listen. And listen to me, young men, young people. I got a message. Oh, boy, I left it at home. I got a message from a girl in the, in the church who said to me what type of music many of the youth in the church are listening. And I tell you from now, we are going to see in a moment, that might be disqualifying you to be counted worthy to escape because you are filling your being with words of violence with this rock band like Sabaton. I remember that name. I have never seen it. But their subjects are based on war and war and bloodshed. They have tremendous gifts. They are, I don't, I don't say they don't have a talent. But one of the conditions to enter that place of safety is mentioned here and will be more in detail in Isaiah. We are filling ourselves with this world, with bloodshed, with violence, with great art presented through our ears and people put their earphones to that music and then their eyes are intoxicated with this kind of... There are three things people use to entertain themselves today. Demonism, bloodshed, and pornography. Those are the three main elements of entertainment, brethren. And Christ says and warns us here, and we'll see more details in a moment. He says, but take heed to yourselves that your hearts be weighed down, weighed down, intoxicated, filled with the filth of this world, carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And it's a type of drunkenness to swallow that type of stuff. The devil kind of put people like in a state of drunken, spiritual drunkenness. They lose 
spiritual discernment and cares of this life, and that they, in that, in that they come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Now comes the condition. Here it is. He describes what might keep us from going there. He's describing it here. And what he says here, verse 36, Watch, therefore, and pray always. And say, be always watching stuff and watching stuff and listening and listening and watching stuff who is rotten with sorcery and demonism and pornography. Watch, those are all offenses and transgressions of God's law. Sorcery is a transgression of the first commandment. You have no other gods before me. Don't pollute yourself. Don't prostitute yourself with spirits. Our body is a temple that was made for the habitation of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God the Father and Jesus Christ in us through the Spirit. And the demons covet that thing. They want to dwell in there because it's a place for, where they can act. They are restricted. That's one of the things I wanted to mention to you. How is the devil going to persecute us? I mention it because I don't have time to go to all of that. Because... The devil needs a human being that will lend itself to be his instrument. The devil needed Adolf Hitler to kill six million Jews and to start the second war. He couldn't come on himself. He's restricted. But when people open the door, like many are doing now with the entertainment we have, and the youth are easily victims of this, they are made believe that, like Harry Potter, that, there are some demons that are your friends, some spirits. And that happened to a church, a girl in England. One of these cartoons, that, or these uh, comics that she read, materialized in front of her. And asked her, you want us to be friends? You know, that's the great deception of the devil. That some spirits are nice to the kids. And they, they can help them and they will protect them from the other spirits. Remember, the kingdom of the devil is not divided. That's a great, a great, you know, he's shrewd. Remember when we used to see the, the films of Walt Disney years ago, we knew that the sorcerer was evil. It was obvious in the movie. We saw that the dragon was evil. Today, the vampire is romantic. He's a great friend. It's very romantic to have a, a boyfriend who is a vampire. When it used to be in Dracula's movies, it was horrific. You would flee from it. Now, we embrace it. They are our friends. And the dragons are the friends of the kids. I've seen that. That's the great, how do you say, deception of the devil. He makes the youth believe. And even in the church of God, there are certain spirits that are friendly to us. My friends, be aware. That's one of the greatest deceptions that you can think about. So... Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape. How? Watching, praying. That takes fasting. That takes prayer. That takes Bible study. That takes meditation. It takes time. And put them to work in our daily lives. And don't allow the prince of the power of the air to flood our lives like a flood with his stuff. And many of our youth are involved in that, and I know it for a fact, my friend. A lot of that music, a lot of those movies, a lot of that entertainment, now is more and more demonic. More and more. 
If they entertain themselves with that, even the Church of God, it has already happened. That comic got materialized before this girl and asked her, you want us to be friends? Eventually got into her and possessed her. And the other boy was watching The Exorcist and other movies like that, and eventually he was possessed too. He might still be. I tell you this thing, we don't need to hide this thing because they happen in the Church of God. And the man who killed our brethren in Wisconsin, you can be sure he was possessed by the devil or by who knows how many demons and push them. So the devil needs an instrument. When the Pope probably will bring or whoever brings fire down from heaven, that's what is going to convince the world that that's the work of God. That's probably at the moment that the 1,335 days start because, because of that miracle, he deceives the people that they have to worship an image. And those that don't worship that image will be persecuted and put to death. There will be a time between the, the decree to worship the image and the enforcement. It will be a little time, probably 75 days. I'm speculating a little bit. But it has to be first decreed and then enforced. And we will barely escape. We are counted worthy to escape. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape. Watch and pray. That takes work, hard work. And going against the stream today, we are to be fighters and overcomers. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things and will come to that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. That means you will be worthy to, when those 1,335 days start and that first persecution start, then you will be counted worthy because you are walking with God you don't become a coward. You will be bold. You know what, want to save your own life, but be faithful to God, and in spite of the persecution, be faithful and enter a place of safety. And stand before the Son of Man. I mean, we'll be alive, probably, after 1,335 days. This can match, it could match Daniel 12, and verse 12. Now, that's the first condition. Let's look, let's look into other conditions to enter a place of safety. That's a lot of work to start with. The other one is Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And it says here in verse 10, Because you have kept my command to persevere. Revelation, speaking of Philadelphia, what does God say first? You know, we have to endure until the end. We know all that. Keeping the Ten Commandments. That's what God said to the young man. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. You, we, you will enter life if you endure until the end. We can't complete with other statements of Jesus Christ. So we have to keep those commandments until the, the very end, but we have to endure in other commandments. And I will go to, into that for a moment right now. Because you have kept my command to persevere I will also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Before I come quickly, hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. If we are not faithful until the end, God needs a certain number of crowns. He needed 12 crowns 
to rule Israel. When Judah fell, God took someone else, Matthias, and he took the crown and the throne of Judah. And someone will take our crown and our throne if we don't endure until the end. We know that. God says, if you are an overcomer, I will not erase your name from the book of life. That's another story we might do some of these days. I will come quickly, hold fast what you have, that no one take your crown. But before that, God says, in verse 8, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, but have kept my word, and have not denied my name. I thank, I don't want to compliment anyone, but I thank God for Dr. Meredith. He's a wonderful example for all someone who has never deviated from the truth, who has held fast what was given to us and has continued to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God in perseverance. I thank God for that. I know it's, all the glory goes to God, but he has an instrument. We're here because of that. And it's a wonderful privilege to be part of this work. So why is it so important? I don't want to, to explain. You go to Colossians 4 and 1 Corinthians 16. An open door means an opportunity God gives us to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. So God said in Acts chapter 1, he said, in Acts chapter 1, God said to his disciples, he said, Acts chapter 1, says, verse 8, Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's a command to preach a witness of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And this church, thank God, is fulfilling that prophecy and it has persevered in preaching that gospel. When the global church of God started in 1993, right? Seven years, the gospel of the kingdom of God was not being preached anymore. And it started again with the global church of God. It became the first commission when the disruption in global took place in 1998, one of the main points of the rebels were that they did not want so much money to be allocated to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God as a witness to the world. They wanted a lot of that money to be destined to other ends. But Dr. Mary insisted that's the first commission and we will continue to do so. So... We are seeing now what? Perseverance. In fulfillment of the commandment of Jesus Christ, go and make disciples to all the nations who are doing it. Go preach the gospel and make disciples and to all nations, and I'll be with you until the end of the era. And he's with us, and we are doing that work with great zeal. And no one can show figures that they are doing more than we are doing, not because we are talking of competition. It's just a reality, and it's a word that had to be fulfilled, because it's written here. Christ, God 
inspired these words, and we are fulfilling them because of his mercy, not because we are better than anyone else. But someone had to do it, and we are given the privilege of being part of that work. So that is one condition. He says, because you have kept my command to persevere, and we have, this church has persevered in preaching, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. You know the word witness that Christ said, you will be my witness. In Greek, that word is martyr. You know what a martyr is? A martyr is someone who dies for a cause. Well, God has given us an amazing opportunity. There are two ways to be a martyr. Either you use these open doors, and we as martyrs, as witnesses, give a witness to the world, and we take advantage of the fact that he is opening these doors to us, then we are martyrs. But we don't, want to sh we don't need to shed our blood, because God says, if you are martyrs in this way, I will keep you from the hour of temptation. But guess what? There are other people that are going to be in the kingdom of God that are going to be beheaded because of this. They are martyrs, literally. They will shed their blood. They have to fulfill the commission of being witnesses one way or the other. Let's look at Revelation chapter 20, and we see, and actually that's predicted in Revelation chapter 6 at the beginning of the, the fifth seal, but after the fourth horse, but I'm not going to all of these details because we don't have much time. Here, in chapter 20, verse 4, let's look at something very interesting. He's describing people that have shed their blood because of the witness, because they did not worship the image, because they did not, they did not break the Sabbath. That means there were people that were not counted worthy to escape probably because they were not involved as God wanted us to be involved in preaching this gospel of the kingdom of God through the open door and be martyrs in that way. So if we don't do it that way, we'll have to do it the other way. And here seems to be a proof of that, chapter 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Remember, we're being judged now by the Ten Commandments like James explains, were judged by the law of liberty. And I saw the souls, you see, he sees thrones, and among those, he says, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness. There you go. Why were they beheaded? Probably because they were not involved in the other way we could have been witness, which we are doing today as our first commission. He says, those that had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and to the word of God who had not worshipped the beast. So these are the ones that the devil turn around after one part is protected because they were involved in this work of witnessing to the world, then turns around after those that are not busy obeying the command to persevere preaching the gospel of the kingdom until the end. And he says here, the souls, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark. That means they had not break, broken the 
the Sabbath, which is the sign of God in his people, on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Doesn't Christ says of Laodicea, if you overcome, you will sit in my throne like I ever overcame and sat in the throne with my father. So it seems that some of our brethren that are not busy and have zeal doing this work of witness, we have to do it some other way. That's what it says there. They were beheaded because they did not worship the image of the beast. That means they were exposed to the three and a half years of great tribulation. That's the second condition then to go to the place of safety, is to be involved in the work of God, of preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Let's look at Isaiah 33, and there are other conditions there that we'll see that concern a lot all of us and our youth, because I see them plugged to this music and plugged to this entertainment, and they are disqualifying themselves, and we're going to see here, brethren, chapter 33 of the book of Isaiah. This is an amazing warning for us. And here the conditions are clearly explained. Chapter 33, verse 14 of the book of Isaiah. This is then a series of conditions. So the first one, you know, pray always, be alert, and watch. Luke 21, verse 33 and 34. Second condition, be involved in the witnessing of the gospel of the kingdom of God to all nations. Here we have a series of conditions expelled clearly for us. Chapter 33, verse 14 of the book of Isaiah. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Remember, by the time of the end, during 42 months, the Gentiles will be threading Jerusalem. The beast is going to make its throne in Jerusalem. I don't go into all those scriptures, but you can find that in Revelation 11. It says they will be threading the holy city for 42 months. That's where the beast is going to be because this is the Antichrist, and they want to prove that Christ has come, and they're going to be a Reich of 1,000 years, like Hitler claimed. So, the sinners in Zion are afraid. So, people in Jerusalem, those that are the government of the beast are afraid. They see something coming. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He who walks righteously. He who walks righteously. What does that mean? All your commandments are righteousness. I advise you, brethren, and it was announced today that the, one of the telecasts is going to announce the booklet, the Ten Commandments. Dr. Mary wrote a book, a book of 40 years ago. I don't know how many, may, quite a few decades ago. Is a wonderful, inspired work that we should be reviewing because that's the condition to enter the kingdom of God. And we're going to see that the conditions to enter the place of safety are similar or the same conditions to enter the kingdom of God. We want to make a little comparison here. It's pretty amazing. So he who walks righteously, that means someone who walks according to the Ten Commandments of God and all his statutes and his decrees. That means a person of integrity and speaks uprightly. You know, if we are walking with God, it will come out with our words. Sooner 
or later. That's clearly explained in Matthew chapter 12. Oh, let's look first uh, James chapter 3. These are conditions to go to place of safety, as we're going to see in a moment. First one, walk righteously and speak righteously. That means of the abundance of the heart. If those laws are written in the heart and we're living by them, it will come out in our speech. And it will be obvious if someone is walking with God or not. In, in James chapter 3, it says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers. And that abounds on the Internet. Many teachers and many sheep that let people, because they are able to write, just lead them astray. Knowing that we all receive a stricter judgment. If we assume the role of teacher and we start deviating people, and there are many of them that always wanted to be teachers and they were never ordained, and they are deceiving hundreds, if not thousands, of brethren with their writings. That's why we have to go to the book, to the law and the testimony, and know it and study it diligently. For we all stumble in many things. That means we offend in many ways. That can be translated that way. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. So, to go to a place of safety, we should not be stumbling in word. We should not be offended or offending with our words. He says, in any, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. He has self-control, which is the crowning fruit of the Spirit. There are nine of them. The last one, self-control, and is reflected the control of the tongue. If we don't have that one, we cannot have any of the others. That's the crowning point if you can call it that way, of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control, to speak righteously, to walk righteously. We have to deny ourselves and obey God and make die our primary instincts day by day. That means taking the cross every day and walking with Christ. That's the condition to enter the place of safety, brethren, to walk righteously, here is verse 15 of chapter 33 of Isaiah. Speak uprightly and listen to what Jesus Christ says in chapter 12 of the book of Matthew. Here it is. Chapter 12 of the book of Matthew. So God is demanding high standards of spiritual maturity to be counted worthy to escape. Walk righteously and speak righteously. In Matthew 12, look what God Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ says in verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. So we are trees, we will know we are righteous or not. How? Let's continue. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's why in Isaiah it says, he who walks righteously and speaks what is upright. Out of his mouth come what's in his heart, the laws 
of God and the obedience and the submission to those laws. He says, hey, Brother Vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. We'll be known, brethren. People know us by what we say. And God certainly will know it more than anyone else because he knows our words before they come to our lips. That Psalm 139 says. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So only people that have a very truly converted heart will go to a place of safety. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. There you go. Let's go back to Isaiah 33:15. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. Those two scriptures, James and the words of Jesus Christ, clearly explain what that means for us in a succinct way. Let's continue. He who despises the gain of oppressions. You know one thing, brethren, that... Gain of oppression is translated somewhere else, the gain of violence. You know how Hollywood makes its money. Movies become more and more violent. There is the, the Terminator and there is, I mean, movie after movie, more and more bloodshed. These heroes that kill and kill and kill people. And you go and to, to people, how are they entertaining themselves? So that's a way to apply this. Because we are partaking of those things. We are entertaining ourselves with a lot of bloodshed. I see it on the movies that people watch in those airplanes. We have to be careful, brethren. Because I think that has to be an application. Because there was no movies in the times of, of Isaiah. But these words that we are going to see are written for our time. For the protection in the last three and a half years of human history as we have known it from the beginning. It says, he who walks righteously... And speaks uprightly, he who despises the gain of oppressions. I mean, I'm not going to watch violent movies or play. How much do you have to play, pay in those places or in your computer? You have to pay to play violent games. And every one of those kids that have taken arms and go and kill their friends in their schools, they entertain themselves playing violent games. And all of them practically are under Prozac or some, some of that antidepressives. We have a real mess in this world, brethren. Let the kingdom come. What a hope we have. Knowing that it's coming soon. But it's completely mixed up. So, if you entertain yourself with violence, killing people, those games are so lively now. Or entertain yourself watching movies and television series of Continual bloodshed, brethren. You are not despising the gain of oppressions. You are part of it. You are paying for those that produce it, because they know it produces money. Who gestures his hands, refusing bribes. It's a condition to be in the place of safety. 
Many ministers in the worldwide church of God, they were afraid. They didn't have enough faith. And I say this plainly, brethren, I, I live through it, and I don't count it myself yet to have attained it. I know I have to keep that faith and increase it to go all the way to the end and stand before the Son of Man. But when they saw their money was under the control of those that got the control of the church, they were afraid. And that money of the salary became a bribe because they were afraid to speak against what was going on. And the bribes perversed the words of the wise and blinds the eyes of the wise. They became blind and they became, their words were perverted because they gave these neutral sermons, not to offend those that had the money. I'm sorry to be so plain, brethren, but that's what we went through. And we'll be so who refuse refusing bribes, gesture with his hands, refusing bribes. I know some of them have repented. I, I don't name anyone. I don't, I don't want to condemn anyone in particular. Well, I was there when this was happening, brethren. So they become blind. And some of them don't, re don't realize there is a place of safety, probably because of this. Who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed. What's the entertainment? of our youth with these earphones. I see that in the in these airplanes. Of course, I don't know flying with church people, but many of them do because the, the kids in the church in Argentina in other places tells me we are on Facebook and we know what the kids are watching and what they are listening to. For example, this series of The Walking Dead, they are very bloody scenes. Very. I have never, I just saw a little bit of it because someone, one of these kids showed me, look what many of our kids are watching. The walking dead. That's demonic. And it's bloodshed. There are horrible monsters. They are calling what is ugly as if it were very attractive. Complete twist. If we take part in what this world is vomiting, brethren, we are not going to be in the place of safety. He who despises the gain of oppression, he who gestures his hands refusing bribes, he who stops his ears from hearing of blood shed. The kids are intoxicated, many of them in the world, of course, and some of them in the church of God. I know it because I have several witnesses that have let me know what some of our kids are listening to. That band, Sabaton, for example, they have a lot of talent, but their main theme is war, as the main theme is war, and they are illustrated by tanks and machine guns and all of that. That's bloodshed. If you listen to that, you are not stopping your ears from hearing of bloodshed. You are polluted by this world and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. My brethren, when in the human history had this apply more than today. Shut his eye from seeing evil. I mentioned to you this before, but the Internet is plagued with pornography. Or 85% of the activity is pornography. If we watch pornography, the person is married, is an adulterer. If you are not married, you are a fornicator. And both will be in the lake of fire because they are not faithful to Jesus Christ. We have to prove. So if someone is able to overcome in the environment we live today, that's what Christ is going to protect people. Because if you overcome in this environment, when you are flooded 
by the ears and by the eyes with all types of sinful things. Wickedness has is abounding. If someone is an overcomer, that's why Christ is going to protect people from the great tribulation. He says, if they're able to overcome in the environment we have to live today and shut their eyes from seeing evil, from seeing pornography, and shut their ears from hearing bloodshed and being entertained by this world, they are overcomers. They fear me. They will be in the place of safety. Well, wise brethren, if we let this world, we will, be, we will perish with it, or we will have to repent and shed our blood as a witness. That's the clear picture that's coming for us. I repeat, he who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil, he will dwell on high. His place of defense, of refuge, will be the fortress of rocks. Selah, probably Petra. I repeat, those are the conditions. One by one, he will dwell on high. That's why I tell some of the youth, if you listen to the music, you are disqualifying yourself to be in the place of safety. If you listen to that music, if you watch this type of, of, of uh, movies or series on television, The Walking Dead and it's the vampires, and I don't know how many, even wolf, I mean wolf blood or something like that, is plagued with that thing. We, have, we don't have to be nourishing ourselves with that stuff. We'll be intoxicating, polluting our spirit, and even prostituting ourselves, prostituting ourselves with that thing. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. That's what we read in Revelation. She will be nourished. And the water will be sure. His water will be sure. There you have a list of conditions to escape the great tribulation. Now I give you a homework. Compare that. Isaiah 33, 14 through 16, compare it with Psalm 15. Who will dwell in your holy mountain? Who will enter the kingdom of God? And you are going to see they parallel. So the type of character God demands to be in the place of safety is very high. Then there is one more condition that you can see also in Zephaniah. By the way, Zephaniah means him whom God hides. In chapter 2 of Zephaniah, you see, gather yourselves before the decree takes place. The decree to worship the beast that will start three and a half years before the return of Christ. Gather yourselves together, or nation not desired will be hated by your nations. Seek humility, seek meekness. Maybe the Lord will hide you in the day of wrath. Zephaniah, the one who God hides. So there are a list of conditions. And I pray, brethren, that we all will fulfill them and enjoy wonderful fellowship in the place of safety.